I opened it up. I was like, oh god, I have a game idea already. <laughs> so, welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and in this episode, I discuss young game designers with my guest Elizabeth Orgy Smith. My name is Elizabeth Orgy Smith. I'm currently a university student who is doing a games, art, and design course. And in my free time, I illustrate and dabble with tabletop RPGs. In 2019, I chaired a jury for the BAFTA Young Game Designers Competition, which invites young people between the ages of 10 and 18 to create a game concept or a playable game, and rewards finalists with masterclasses, networking, mentorship, and more. One of the winners that year was Elizabeth Orgy Smith, who was 17 at the time. Their winning game concept, Creatively Bankrupt, is described as an action RPG about a small animation crew turned part-time Robin Hood heist group who snoop around studios in a hyperbolic entertainment-built city to share once-exclusive resources, balance the scales, and bust open the big score, The Secret Vault. I don't know about you, but I was not nearly as switched on when I was 17. I wanted to find out what motivates a teenager to enter a BAFTA competition, where Elizabeth got the idea to make a game about unionization, and what they want from the future, for their own career and for the creative industries. Since Elizabeth is currently at university, you may hear the occasional noise from one of their housemates in the background of our conversation. Did you know that you wanted to do game art as a degree before you did the BAFTA Young Game Designers competition or did one kind of follow from the other? It was weird because I knew I wanted to do something games art related before the BAFTA uh, Young Game Designer competition. But I think the art part came way before the sort of tasteful design came through. Because I was always that that fear of oh I don't know how to program and such, <laughs> so it was it's a very common thread I see with a lot of artists who have an interest in the games sort of circle. But you know I I always try and give things a shot. So I did do a lot of messing around in games programs, seeing what work can I make this character move? Can I make it jump? How does the animator work? There was never anything too technologically advanced. So my mind was really set on the games art part of stuff. Did taking part in the competition change your mind about what kinds of people can get careers making games? Like, did you come in assuming that you needed those technical skills and then come out of the competition feeling like actually more kinds of people can get involved? I think so in the sort of like after the competition happened, after the event happened, the BAFTA Young Game Designer competition conversation was still in circulation seeing more people talk about it and saying okay you're going to be going to this place and meeting these people and going to BAFTA Guru Mm. that was part of the quote-unquote prizes or things that you're allowed to go to that sort of opened up my mind a little more but I, I kind of thought to myself there's many people who got into games like you know through the, the non-standard means there's many different people types of people going into games i think after young game designer just made me a little bit more confident to look for more people and look for more stories because prior to that i wasn't sure if i would 
if I could stick the landing, so to speak, like how the part of me that wasn't confident with sort of making the game and designing the game really um, weighed down on me before the competition. So how did it feel when you won? Um, with, I was, yeah, I was surprised that I even got part of the, the finalist slot in the meantime, but it was definitely weird because I was proud of what I made, but also I made it in a short amount of time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, if I don't win, that's fine. I made it here. And, you know, I have this to look at and be proud of. And it was, then they said my name. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> I had to stand up <laughs> and uh, talk in front of a stadium of people. That was wild. And also I cried a lot, I think. Because um, I, I I did read that one of the sort of speakers was going to be Mike Biffle. Uh, then I forgot. And then he came on stage and I was like, oh, oh, hell, wait, 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 wait. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there was a few games in my, I, I want to say childhood, but I'm barely an adult currently. The few games that I played growing up that made me think about making games, you know, as a possibility. Because there's, there's, you know, there's games that I played and I thought, oh, this is fun. Haha, <laughs> I like looking at the art. But then I, there's some games that I looked at, I was like, oh, I want to make something like that. Mm. Like, this is an interesting experience and I like creating already. I wonder if there's a way to create that. Like what kinds of games? The three that came to mind was Thomas Was Alone, Mike Biffle's game for the writing. Mm. And uh, Little Big Planet, I specifically too, because I didn't own a PlayStation, but one of my childhood friends did. And I remember distinctly the sort of excitement we felt beating the final boss, like together. Mm. And then her mom unplugged into PlayStation, and so she had to fight the boss by herself again. <laughs> I'm sorry to Lola. <laughs> so you had to do that by yourself. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, I feel like we've all got a story like that from our childhood, haven't we? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a common tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting to me that you were drawn to Thomas Was Alone because, I mean, you're an artist, right? You're an illustrator. Your concept that you entered for the competition is beautiful. It has this really distinctive visual style. And the funny thing, the joke about Thomas Was Alone really is that it's programmer art right mm, mm. so it's interesting to me that you were drawn to that because I guess I would have a preconception that an artist would only be interested in games that were visually beautiful and it doesn't seem to me that Thomas Was Alone is necessarily visually beautiful it's not you know I drew this musically to scale or even creatively um, interpreted human being it is you know as you said programmer art but it's clean at least and the, the the cleanness of how it looks definitely was uh, appeal, but also I'm gonna show my um, backside to the whole world. I saw those characters and I saw their personalities, and I was like, "Oh, I care for them." This is me, very young, mm. and I drew my own interpretations of the characters as humans. Oh wow! Yeah. And I don't, I've, ooh, ooh, is at home. I'm currently in Norwich. This, my, my, my sketchbook's in London. I don't have it, so I can post it quickly. But it's the writing. Like I said, the writing was so, I don't want to say good. It was more, it's more than good. It's, um, captivating and just funny and interesting. And 
I want to go back to, to playing it again because there's some little bits that I'm now thinking about like oh oh there's more to it that I didn't understand as a, a wee child but even then it's just going through that story and listening to the these characters troubles and fight against frightening odds was very good and sparked the imagination even if the ca- characters were just quadrilaterals so it was Thomas was alone, and then Little Big Planet presumably appealed to you because it, you know you played it with your friend, and maybe the the creative aspects of it as well. Yeah, I could. I remember distinctly trying to play and use the mechanics of the that you can stick on the characters, like the there's like a controller where you can control the thing you built. There's like the jump pads and like that kind of pseudo programming that was inbuilt to the game, which they then carried on with Dreams even further mm. but it was that the creativity and just the little things like playing with my friends and my friend's younger brother trying to you know like spectate us trying to beat this game but when I have no knowledge of a PlayStation controller the PlayStation controller that I had the bottom button was stuck <laughs> so when I was in so I don't know if it if it affected anything in the story mode because I think that was the sort of the taunts you could do but in play mode that's the thing that made you go from fly mode to um walking around mode so once you hit fly mode you couldn't step on the ground <laughs> so I couldn't interact with any of the things I built like a normal person and we had to like disconnect the PlayStation swap it and get the working one so I can walk around and have to make sure never to press the down button ever again <laughs> Wow, it's like it's like you were like a ghost in Little Big Planet. Like you could make things, <laughs> but you couldn't interact with them. <laughs> a little big planet poltergeist situation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the third game then? Transistor by Supergiant Games. So that's the art. That's the pretty art that made me go wow. It's having the portraits of the characters. You know, when you look at their profiles, with these like striking monotone, but you know, wonderful painted style. And the sequences of the cutscenes and the music just was amazing. And I just remember looking at the art and saying, okay, I don't even care if I get into games, even though I really sort of do, I want to paint like that. Mm. Like no matter what medium I want to get to, I want one day to paint like that and, and get to that sort of level. So I did honestly try and start painting young digitally Mm. and then I gave up (laughs) and I started again (laughs) I mean that sounds like a normal story I'm sure we've all been through that (laughs) have you played Hades no but I know it's on the switch my switch is currently busted um I dropped it and broke one of the left joy cons so I need to pay 70 pounds at some point to get that to be fixed I know it's on pc I didn't bring a controller with me but yeah, the art in that looks incredible. I saw, because no clip done like a series, looking at the timeline of the early access stuff. So I was sort of following that and looking at the sort of process behind the art and the music and like iteration on like designs of characters and how they sort of interact. But I haven't yet played it myself. It's very funny to see everybody online just <laughs> go crazy for the game. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned there about no-clip documentaries. I mean, it sounds from what you're saying like you've wanted to make games for a long time in some ways. Have you often watched documentaries about the design of games to kind of get inspiration and learn about the process? 
I recall watching at some point a bunch of, there's so many game acronyms, I'm going to get confused. <laughs> GDC? Yeah. Watching a bunch of GDC conferences because I only have really the capacity currently for art. I watched a lot of like the art design ones, mm. but sometimes I would watch something like the bigger sort of overview of behind the games or something more business side, something about pitching, a little bit of everything, but it was mostly arts related. And I just used to watch a bunch of that. I didn't really take notes, mm. but I just kind of kept what people said and their attitudes and the way they presented themselves in mind. I, I saw somebody else on Twitter mention that Games on Quick is actually really good for if you want to make games because you can then see how they break. Speed running. Yeah, speed running. Not only how they break, but how different communities of people who play games you know, interact with your game as well. So if there's a way that you could, you know, adapt your game for speedrunning, like I know a few games have like speedrunning timers and other things that are like skip cutscenes, so you don't have to skip it yourself just in case you make a misclick and lose time. So I watched a bunch of that and uh, documentaries in that sort of traditional sense I haven't really been watching until recently. Um, whenever the Telltale one that Noclip did came out that's when I started sort of looking around at that. You mentioned there that you watched GDC talks about game art. I suppose a lot of people probably presume that artists can't really learn how to do good art from other artists because it's kind of just, I don't know, like an innate skill and everyone has their own artistic style and you shouldn't be, you know, copying anyone else or anything like that. So I wonder what you think about what you can learn as an artist from other artists. I think you can learn a lot from other artists. I think because when you look at other people's art and you have to learn how to reverse engineer it even innately, so you're not really like learning how to draw like them. You're le you're sort of learning, I don't know, processes. I found really helpful watching speed drawings of just random stuff because you see where the person goes to edit, like tweak the colors or which kind of brush they use and how they draw. I remember one time some person like drew the left half of a drawing first and then copied and flipped it and then sort of tweaked it so it would be like mirrored, but some sort of alteration would be there. So you can pick up like nice tips and tricks from artists that way. So I think you can learn from others, like, fine. <laughs> like, I know there's always that concern of, oh, you don't want to copy somebody else. And then on the other side, there's, there's no such thing as original art. But I think we pick up stuff that we see all the time is kind of can't help it. Mm. The category that you entered in the BAFTA Young Game Designers competition and ended up winning was game concept, uh, specifically in the 15 to 18 bracket. Hmm. If there's anyone listening who doesn't really understand what that term means, what does game concept mean to you? To me, it's if you were to explain a game to a person, it's the sort of details that you'd highlight to the person. So the mechanics like what buttons you press and what they do, um, the overarching story, the look of it, what a level is like, what you collect in the, so that sort of point system, if there is any. It's you describing something that you interact with uh, in, in, in the way that you play games. And 
it's you forming the game idea, hitting those criterias, I think. I don't know. I got given a bunch of questions <laughs> and I answered them and tried to create a facsimile of a game that could possibly exist. Okay, so I was going to ask about what the process was like then. So they gave you they gave you questions and then how long did it take you to come up with your idea? Oh god, that's that's the fun part. Um so I don't know when. I think it was like a week before from my journeys going online and not following internet safety uh, guidelines, I've talked to a lot of artists in a lot of different communities. Mm-hmm. One of them is a person who's a few years older than me, somewhere in Canada, who's worked in a few animation studios. And she was telling me a story about an alarm going off and having to decode something to make the alarm go off. Because when you're first into the building, that goes off, you know, to protect the Cintiqs that are in the facilities. And I thought, oh, uh, it's like a heist. At that time, I was listening to a podcast, Friends at the Table, at that time, I was listening to Mary Elder, who was then playing a game called Blades in the Dark, which is about heists. Uh. So I was like, who? Heists. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that would be fun. Haha. <laughs> what if it would be like a sort of who framed Roger Rabbit kind of world, you know, where you have to steal from artists and, you know, those cartoons walking about. A week later, my friend sent me the ad for the young game designer thing. <laughs> and she was like, oh, this seems neat. And I was like, oh, it does. I opened it up. I was like, oh, God, I have a game idea already. <laughs> so what what you theoretically would be presented with, I think it might change. I didn't do it last year, but I was a jury on it. And I think the questions were slightly different. Um, you get a bunch of questions about your games, asking you to give a brief and then give a larger summary, talk about what the game looks like, and then talk about levels And you just answer the questions within the word limit. Mm. I think I hit the word limit on every single one of them because I don't know when to stop. (laughs) Not even with ideas, just with words. I ramble too much when it comes to um, writing or I don't write anything at all. (laughs) One of the things that I wasn't sure about was what the game looked like. But I remember somebody, one of my friends online was talking about the art style and then I looked into it and it clicked greater than I thought it would with my game idea. Yeah, so you ended up drawing this concept, this really, really beautiful kind of visually distinct concept. Was that something that everyone who entered the competition did or was that something you just did because that's how you express yourself? They encouraged you not to be caught up on the visuals of your game. Like it was the strength of your ideas. But the thing about me is that I, like I said, I ramble so much and writing isn't my strong point and I communicate greater with art. Mm. So I honestly did ask my um, teacher at the time, can I use this lesson just to work on the art for this pitch? Because I want it to be decent, like in this amount of time that I've been given. Um, and I just wanted to put that sort of distinct idea into you know, people's minds when they look at the game. When you were creating your concept, did you try to restrict yourself to what you thought would be practical or realistic to actually turn into a playable game? Or did you let your imagination run free? Sort of. When it came to mechanics, I kind of I tried to keep it sort of structured, but there's probably some stuff that's probably not realistic unless some larger 
studio were to theoretically do this game concept mm. within a decent amount of time. I don't know what a decent amount of time looks like in games. I've heard somebody make a game over the course of 10 years <laughs> to do anything here, I swear to God. <laughs> 10 years must sound like a very long time to someone who is 18 years old. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, over a half of my <laughs> But yeah, I, I try to keep it slightly practical. The only thing that I don't really have a grasp on is the story. Mm. They told you to pitch it, but not to, you know, outline beat by beat what the story is going to be. And so that's the only thing that I'm kind of like, I don't know how to approach the story in regards to if this was a real game mm. sounds like you need to get mike bithel on board oh, God. <laughs> i i i mentioned once online that i made a slight demo of the game and i think he messaged me i was like oh god i have nothing <laughs> please I'm, I'm looking to go into university right now <laughs> yeah please wait until i have my degree mike calm down <laughs> <laughs> So your concept in the the written part, it mentions a goal of pushing the philosophy of sharing is caring to more stronger pleas of unionization and a stronger open artistic community. Apologies for quoting your words back at you, especially as you said you don't feel good about your writing. But I think it's really interesting that you that you wrote that. And I wonder how important is it to you that your art reflects those kinds of philosophies? Um, I don't know, because I wrote this at the time, during a lot of just talk of unionization and some of the atrocities seen in um, certain studios, like the thing is, I would name names, but I've sort of lost track of where everything is right now because there's so much going on in that scenario. This is not me trying to shy away, it's just me faulting to find mm -hmm. one big culprit because there's many situations going on right now. Not, not right now, but ongoing. Mm -hmm. So it was me trying to be honest with what I'm feeling in regards to not just the game industry, like just general creative industries and where they're at when it comes to, you know, how artists are feeling in their place in the world and how they're managing, trying to care for themselves and their friends. At the end of the day, as much as we ask to live in a better sort of worlds where we don't have to worry about like monetary values and if we're gonna make it to the next day just being able to live a decent life doing our creative doing what creatively drives us without having to um give that up mm. like if this was going to be written one of the sort of themes of just like people having to abandon that sort of drive to do something else versus people you know pushing against it even if they are metaphorically going up in flames <laughs> and trying to you know help people and make sure you don't give somebody the worst end of the stick even though um society wants us to be at each other's throats mm -hmm. it was something that i tried to put into this sort of idea and it linked super well with the upa idea because upa was formed out of protests against disney like partly because this was sort of the formation of the um, animation animators union in California, I think, mm. um, was a bunch of artists trying to, you know, get better pay and having their credits in the name instead of just Di uh, Walt Disney. Other stuff happened that made, led them to have this UPA to open up the United 
productions of America. But another thing about their animations is that they try to make it very more human and about human stories, mm. even if they were very off kilter as like and yeah, just off kilter like uh, many cartoons are very wacky and stuff. They were still, you know, about a human story at the end of the day. Mm. Also, you know, give or take with the cultural climate of the 50s in America um, can be questionable. (laughs) It's putting it lightly. Yeah, putting it extremely lightly. (laughs) It's part of the reason why I said in my brief there will be a a, a contemporary flourishes into the art style because this is in a contemporary setting. The contemporary setting isn't perfect, but hey, it's not the 50s. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's not Not the the 50s. 50s. Yeah. So would you want someone to make the game then? Could you see yourself doing that in future, kind of finding a programmer and a writer and actually making Creatively Bankrupt into a playable game? Sort of. It's kind of hard to see right now. I don't know why, but I can't... Because I, it's probably... I just don't know the steps towards it. Mm. Like, I've been like developing how drawing the UPA style linked with some tabletop stuff I've been doing. I've quietly just talked about the game with my friends when, you know, I need some sort of motivation that to think that I can at least have a vertical slice of something. Mm. But yeah, I don't know because I would like to pay the people that I work with. Of course. Because anything could come around the corner and just knock everything off, you know. Of course, I don't want to make people run off of their own money, (laughs) so to speak. Do you think it's particularly hard to think about the future right now, given everything that's going on? I've had bad future vision anyway, but it's now definitely worse. It's not worse in the way of like, I don't know when this is going to open up. I'm just sitting here like, I'm just going to cross out next year. Mm. Next year is non-existent right now. (laughs) You said you're going to go to a concert in November 2021. I don't think so. I don't even know if 2022 is coming right now. This is my new life. Just, you know, making the most of it online with friends, trying to make sure everybody's safe, trying to be aware of what's going on, crying at the government with their (laughs) very questionable choices of what to do right now. It's just a roller coaster. And yeah, it's kind of hard to see what the future holds right now, but... I'm unfortunately not really keeping my hopes up for everything to be sort of resolved around next year. Mm. And what's the university experience like? So you said that you're, you know, you're living with housemates in in private accommodation and not being able to go to classes. Is that right? You're doing remote learning? Except for one day of the week uh, where we have two classes, everything is remote. I'm speaking on behalf of somebody else who's been to a university prior to the lockdown, Mm. but they said it's been very good when it comes to the um when you when you speak one on one with the tutor and discuss you know what you just learned in the last session and having a very like a meeting about what you're doing with your course I don't know what that's like but I definitely enjoyed that process because a lot of times in my academic life I've been wanting somebody to talk me through games who knows a bit about games mm. In my own time, I've been trying to learn about games. I don't know if Twitter's the best way to learn about... (laughs) Anything? Anything, really. But hey, I've been reading your threads, so be aware that teenagers (laughs) out there 
just trying to get some nation of what is this crazy industry? Can I back out? Mm. <laughs> Do I go further? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, somebody taught me like the theory of the types of games, like mimicry and something like Vertigo and like having rivals. And I just learned about that. And I felt my mind exploding because every year I've been asking to learn about games in that sort of academic setting Mm. and all I've gotten were substitutes or paths that took me towards this point Mm. and now being able to learn specific theories that people have worked on and being able to discuss with my teacher like Transistor and I think they talked about Nier for a bit and other indie games I talked about Kentucky Route Zero for a bit we we even geeked about like other stuff like that wasn't relating to games like 1776 uh, something that John Boyce have been doing and just other stuff it's been very exciting and refreshing and this is something that has really helped me be more confident with my sort of relationship with game as something that I want to create and be a part of You mentioned earlier about role-playing games, playing role-playing games with your friends. Could you talk a bit more about that? I kind of didn't know what to do after creatively bankrupt. The friend that I talked to earlier, she was she was very interested. Like, it's good to say she was very interested in tabletop games. She worked in an animation studio who done Harmon Quest. Uh, she got interested in a homebrew race for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition which basically added cartoons into this universe, uh, similar to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, <laughs> and all of the sub-races were like the Frank and Ollie race, the Warren race, and the Rubber Hose race, and you can, you know, do cartoon shenanigans in this place, and it, it, it tried to encourage you to take a more wacky approach to how you play Dungeons & Dragons, and attached to that is its own, like, world, like it's her own homebrew world, like something that's uh, different and exists on its own, and there's a whole group surrounding it. You can understand a homebrew race related to cartoons will bring a bunch of illustrators and uh, animators and people who are creatively minded to that sort of community, and it's been the most enriching art experience I've had in ages. I spent the entire summer just like making up characters and NPCs, developing my the way that I draw UPAs, uh, UPA characters. I wrote like an essay, breaking down how to like, the, the theory behind what a UPA character looks. I've been playing a bunch of games and they've been recorded for like our own prosperity. But then there's also a bunch of people who like it as well, which is very fun to see. And playing in that group made me more confident with me able to say that oh I play tabletop games so I remember mentioning that on the offhand because one of the things that goes around on Twitter is drawing while black and I don't really do it often because I don't have that much art to show on on Twitter but I remember on the offhand saying oh I want to illustrate for tabletop RPGs because I think the art for them is very interesting and I want to dabble in that scene in the like in the off chances and then one thing led to another when I was talking to somebody in the, in the group and I got messaged by a person who I saw some folks, uh, friends at the table again, play the game uh, Beak, Feather and Bone. 
and the person approached me and said, hey, do you want to illustrate some characters for the game? And, you know, all of the proceeds will go towards a bail fund. And I said, oh, yes, please. It was the Pittsburgh Bucket Bail Fund. And, you know, the game was on itch.io and it was like sort of a, a DLC. And I was just watching it on the front store for like a while. And I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> what was it like seeing your own work on this storefront that you've used? There's always that kind of thing where you, sometimes when you look at your own art and you're like, oh, I could have done that better. But it's always like a, a, it's a varying amount from an inkling to a lot. It was kind of an inkling, but it was definitely like, why I put my art up here and now people can see it, like on this storefront that I use and ooh, I hope people like it. And then I saw somebody play through the game with the art that I use and I was like, ah, <laughs> it's very different from when you play it with your mum to when you see a group of strangers that you've never seen before play through it and just create a, a story that you didn't even think was possible with what you've imagined when you drew the characters. Like, I think at some point, there's, like, these male fish that you can see on the page, and they were, like, part of the mafia, I think. Like, some sort of mermaid mafia. (laughs) Amazing. You seem to have had mixed feelings about seeing your own work, which is completely understandable. I know what that's like. (laughs) But did it make you feel like you want to do this more in future? Oh, 100%. Like, I definitely want to do more sort of illustrations. It was very fun to just bounce ideas with, you know somebody who has a strong idea, but also it was able to give me a lot of space to sort of develop and think about what the characters were like and what they looked like. And I definitely want to interact with the sort of tabletop community in that way again. I think I mentioned to you earlier that competitions like this one that are aimed at young game designers or people just starting out in their game development careers give those of us who've been around for a while a kind of sense of what up-and-coming game designers might want from the future of games. So what do you want to see in the future when it comes to video games? Maybe what would you like the video games industry to be like? Or Less scary and turbulent, please. <laughs> um, but I, I have to say, sometimes looking at people talking about what happens in this industry is very scary, especially since even though if you like to think you understand what happens, you really don't until you're into the studio. That's why I'm kind of hesitant to ask, like, what would you like from the games industry? Because I'm 100% not sure. Like, of course, there's people who are in the games industry who hasn't set foot in a studio, like, at all. But I don't know. It's just less scary, less turbulent, and I would like... A selfish thing is, like, I would like people that I see who are also in this sort of learning position to also get in. Like, I want my friends to be able to go into this industry without feeling scared or at least, you know, seeing if it's if it's for them. Because there's a difference between being chased out and just knowing it's not for you. Mm. I would just like people to have that opportunity to explore and develop and make mistakes. And it's less about being able to put your foot in the door. I want people to be able to go through the door that's already open and free and just a a nice chance to explore, I guess. How about for yourself? What do you want to do when you finished your degree? Gosh, I don't know. (laughs) Whoops. Um, 
Um, I definitely would like to go to a studio. I'm not quite sure because the course gives you a lot of options of what part of games you want to explore. Mm. But, you know, see if I can lend my illustration skills to uh, like a some place and see how that works in a team. See if I can actually work away at this creatively bankrupt idea. <laughs> If you want to check out Elizabeth's illustrations, you can find them on Twitter at Lizzie Butt. You can find the Beak, Feather and Bone supplement, Tail, Scale and Bone, which Elizabeth illustrated, at Tyler-C-R-U-M-R-I-N-E at itch.io. All proceeds are being donated to the Bucket Bale Fund of Pittsburgh. The actual play podcast that provided some of the inspiration for Elizabeth's BAFTA-winning game concept, Creatively Bankrupt, is called Friends at the Table. One of the players is a friend of mine, so this is not what you would call an objective recommendation, but if you want to check it out, head to friendsatthetable.net. The 2021 BAFTA Young Game Designers competition is open for entries until March 15th, 2021. If you are or know a young game designer who is aged between 10 and 18 during the school year that began in August or September of 2020, learn more at ygd.bafta.org. Just before this episode was released, BAFTA shared the sad news that a previous Young Game Designers winner, Lucy Jack Reynolds, died in March 2020. In her memory, book publisher Muswell Press has launched a competition for entries to a new anthology called Queer Life, Queer Love. I'll put a link in the episode description, along with a link to Mermaids, the charity that supports gender-diverse children and young people. To make sure you know as soon as the next episode of Talking Simulator is ready, subscribe to the podcast in your favourite app and follow us on Twitter at TalkingSimPod. I'm at Jerrica Weber. Our music is by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at Jazz Mickle. Talking Simulator is edited by Lemmington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C. Parks. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon. Is it okay if I pause for a second because my laptop's about to die? Oh, yes, of course, please. There's a game in this, isn't there? Like the the mad dash for the charger when your electronic device is about to expire. So many times. And there's like always something important on there as well just as happening (laughs) every single time. Gosh.